And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Max and Sam on the Until Saturday podcast feed. I am your host, Sam Khan, joined as always by my great friend. I think they call him the Portal Authority. I don't know that he loves that nickname. I'm going to call him the Portal King. I know Lane Kiffin likes to use that name, but really it's Max Olson, who is the Portal King, who is alive and well, drinking coffee, I assume, on this Tuesday morning, less a little bit more than 24 hours after the transfer portal has opened. You survived it, apparently, Max. We're on cup number three of coffee. Let's go, baby. I'm alive. I wouldn't say I'm well, but I am alive, Sam. We we may need to mix in some... Some C4 or, or an energy drink of something of that sort today. <laughs> to keep, we're gonna need. Keep we're gonna need to keep the juice flowing. Yes, we are. Um, how you doing, man? I'm good. Uh, <clears throat> I I am good. B- busy weekend as always. Of course, we had a whole weekend of outrage with the playoff. Uh, you and I, of course, were in Arlington together for the Big Twelve Championship, which was fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, like we said, the portal opened on Monday. We're recording this on Tuesday morning, and so far on Monday, over 1,100 players entered the transfer portal. So we're going to break all that down with Max. We're going to all 1,100 biggest- name by name. We're breaking them all down, <laughs> telling you all about them. This is going to be a 10-hour episode of Max and Sam. Let's go. Walk-ons included, baby. Uh, walk-ons included. We'll 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 dive into the biggest portal developments. We'll. Talk quarterbacks, uh, Kyle McCord, Dante Moore, Dylan Gabriel, lots of big name quarterbacks in the portal so far, Cam Ward. We'll, we'll talk about some other intriguing players outside of the quarterbacks as well. Later in the show, we'll, we'll rate some of the bowl games. Let's let's not forget, for all the the outrage about the playoff, there are a lot of other bowl games, about 40 of them uh, that we'll, we'll talk about, and we'll rate some of them on where they stand, and also a little bit of coaching carousel news that has uh, developed over the weekend as well. It's it's a pretty busy time here in December, and as always, be sure to follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to drop us a five-star review, and if you leave a question with that five-star review, we'll answer it on the show. Subscribe to Until Saturday on YouTube so you can be alerted to any of our live streams. Leave a voicemail or text on the Until Saturday phone line, 316-462-9852. To help for the Sunday sound off, which was terrific, uh, an epic version of it on Sunday after the reaction to the playoff rankings. And of course, sign up for the Until Saturday newsletter where you get your daily fill of college football news right in your inbox. Tuesday, of course, was Portal Mania. Jana Bardall, with the help of Max, broke down the numbers. We'll discuss a lot of those numbers here in a moment, but there's a full accounting of them in the newsletter. You can find the link to that, the YouTube page, all that other good stuff in the show's description. So, Max, let's get to it. Oh, it's, oh stop everything. Uh-oh, so, what happened? What we got? we got? We got a portal entry. Cam, give us the drop. Go ahead and jump in the portal. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dion. <laughs> you know, we're going to continue the portal? to monitor the transfer portal throughout this episode, um, okay. which might make this episode go even longer. But uh, <laughs> Sam, Toledo quarterback Daquan Finn has entered the transfer portal. 
as a grad transfer. Another big name for the QB market, which we are going to dive into, uh, the the Mac Player of the Year is uh, is exploring his options here, looking at a move up to the Power Five, and uh, you know one of the better dual threat playmakers uh, in the country, and uh, very very intrigued to see where he goes. And I am going to uh, just interrupt you throughout this episode uh to alert you to you and dion together players that's right to to let you know who's who you know we'll continue to keep an eye on the portal let you know who's uh popping in here even if you've never heard of the guy uh you know you gotta know (laughs) yeah uh we we strive to keep you informed here up to the minute uh as we record this on this tuesday morning like i said you had 1100 players there's still more to come uh in the portal so max and dion will keep us posted on all these different guys as we go on throughout the show hard to find Let's be, do it. be that you are not hard to find. Uh, be alert for these uh, for these sirens and sound effects and Dion's dulcet tones to deliver us all of our portal updates. But let's get into it. Monday, a whirlwind, obviously for you tracking it all day. Like we said, eleven hundred players. But let's break down the numbers a little bit. Five hundred and thirty-two players from the FBS level entered on Monday. A sixteen percent increase. Players. That's yeah, right. scholarship, sorry. About 532 <clears throat> scholarship FBS players, 16% increase from last year, 304 scholarship guys from Power 5, 228 from Group of 5. And just give us a sense as you, as you let the day unfold. I know you were talking a lot of personal guys, I, I was as well, and it, it was certainly I think a lot of people were prepared for this, especially how last year went, the first year of the window, it was about a thousand of these guys came in. And it was just a flood of of names, and it was a little bit dizzying. I felt I got the sense over the weekend talking to some personnel guys that there was a lot more people ready for this with a plan to attack what would happen on Monday. Yeah, a lot of preparation over the past month goes into uh, Portal Day on on Monday, and yet I think this Portal Day was uh, way worse than last year's Portal Day. And the reason I say that is because last year, the first year that they tried to do these transfer windows. They actually opened up the FCS window two weeks early, and that gave that was I think that was a good thing for those players uh, at the FCS level at the lower level to get a little bit more exposure, get a little bit more evaluations from these staffs. And you know, they I think I remember there's some players like Dre McRae and Andrew Armstrong who you know in that two week window, you know, got got some pretty serious looks here and, and more exposure. Um, this year we opened up the FBS and the F- FCS, uh, portal, uh, for underclassmen at the same time, same day. And so there are like 400 FCS players that went in the portal yesterday. And I don't <laughs> even know, like I, I have not begun to comb through that list. Uh, I'm sure there are some really good players that are, um, that are out there and, and maybe, maybe going to slip through the cracks here. So, um, that when you combine that, when you've got over 500 scholarship players, um, at this, at the. FPS level and then you throw in 400 FCS guys. Um, I'm just, I mean, you, you can joke about like, oh man, what a long day for Max, but like, no, nah, I'm, I'm amazed by the people that work on these staffs and like, how mm-hmm. do you, how do you, I mean, it, it takes a lot of manpower, obviously it takes a lot of work, but I, I truly don't understand like how they work through this list and, um, you know, figure out how to, uh, how to, how to make very quick and really sharp evaluations on who they want to contact and then go make those offers right away. Um, it's a it's it's a, such a dizzying thing for the rest of us to follow. But if you're kind of in the weeds of the people working in these buildings, Sam, as you know, you you were there at Houston last year when when this thing opened up. Um, it's a it's it's a it's a pretty crazy process, pretty fast paced thing. And uh, you know, <laughs> you just 
you just also hope to just not lose anybody you really don't want to lose too. Yeah, yeah, it's there's there's a level of unpredictability there that that is kind of hard to account for. Uh and you're right. I, I did I spent last year with the Houston staff on the first day and it's nuts. Like and they were organized. They were ready. They had they knew who some guys who were going to go in and a lot of staffs do that planning for those weeks ahead of time. But there's always going to be some that you don't know and as soon as they go in it's hey, pull up his tape on PFF. Uh Let's look at his height, weight. Let's look at his production from last year. And within a few minutes, it's, are we offering? Are we not? Send that film to the position coach. Send that film to the coordinator, head coach, whoever needs to sign off on it and get an answer quick. Because if you want him, you better offer him quickly because it, because there's going to be others that are going to do that in a hurry. So there's that level of preparation for it and, and level of reaction to it. And, and I, I was DMing with a head coach last night who's, I you know, just talking about this thing. And he said, you know, I think I think the thing that probably a lot of them do is you're kind of filtering out, okay, who has no playing time? Because there's a lot of players that go in the portal that just their backups, they, they're in the portal because they're probably encouraged to go because they're not going to play at the place they're at. And so you kind of filter that out. But there's even going to be some gems in that group too of just some guys that um, are freshmen and sophomores that probably can play, but were behind some good players or had injury, you know, in, injury history or whatever. But yeah, you, you got to, it's funny, you take these 500 guys and uh, there's probably 50 great ones in there, but it, uh, <laughs> you know, how do you, how do you really sort through that and, uh, and ID them? That's a, it's a tough job and it's a, it's a lot of fun to follow uh, because as soon as these guys go in they're they're tweeting out their offers and uh, mm-hmm. you, you very quickly kind of find out who everybody wants. Yeah. And before we jump into some of the players we're going to discuss, a quick a quick explanation for those of you who are casual fans and, and you guys obviously know about the portal, but we're still learning about these windows. This is the second year that we've had transfer portal windows that our players are allowed to go in. Undergraduates are allowed to go in only at this certain time. There's a winter window that started on Monday that will go for 30 days. There's a 15 day window in the spring. And for if you're an undergraduate, not a grad transfer, or you didn't ex- experience a head coaching change, then those are the windows you have to go in. If you experience a head coaching change, you've got a 30-day window that triggers right away. Well, Texas A&M and some other schools who have made head coaching changes have had that available in the last few weeks. So that all goes into this. Uh, but the the most coveted guys in the portal, uh, other than linemen, of course, are quarterbacks. Yep. There's quarterbacks, and let's let's talk about some of them. We got some big names that went in. Dylan Gabriel from Oklahoma, Cam Ward from Washington State. Will Howard from Kansas State, Riley Leonard from Duke, Daquan Finn, who we just talked about. Uh, let's start with Dylan Gabriel. Uh, Max, you've done some reporting on this. Terrific season at OU. Uh, obviously came from Central Florida. Uh, and uh, He had had a good career there. Did really well with Jeff Lebby uh, for a couple seasons. Uh, Oklahoma goes 10-2. and two. What What's kind of the motivation that Gabriel's going in the portal, and do we have an idea of where he's going? Yeah, I think Dylan Gabriel probably is like the epitome of the this this group of players that we've seen in the last few years that that hit the portal, who are veterans, who are multi-year starters, who, you know, I think um, in talking to our Dane Brugler, our draft expert, I think he probably looks at Dylan Gabriel as a late round pick, possibly an undrafted guy. Um, and that's not, not not a reflection of his his production. Obviously, he's been extremely productive in the offenses he's played in. Uh, but uh, but certainly his size is going to get held against him when it comes to the pro evaluation. And so. You know, Dylan Gabriel's a guy that went through senior day at Oklahoma. I think everybody kind of assumed he was he was moving on, probably going pro. And and, and I'm not saying Dylan Gabriel doesn't have a pro future. I mean, there's certainly there's there's we've got the, the the other leagues out there, right? I mean, I think he's got a chance to keep playing football past college for sure. But nowadays, Sam, you know, 
it's a pretty good lifestyle for these guys that stay in college. They can go, <laughs> you know, they can go make a million bucks uh, potentially or more um, by staying in school, by going in the portal and uh, going to a place that, uh, you know, really needs a quarterback for 2024. And so I think Dylan Gabriel, I think it's kind of a win-win uh, to be honest, because I think Oklahoma fans certainly want to see Jackson Arnold and want to see what he can do. And I think if, if Jackson Arnold's getting 15 bowl practices, um, ahead of the Alamo bowl there, I think it's probably a really good thing for his development in terms of him winning over this team and, and beginning his, his, uh, his run there as QB one and his leadership. And I think Dylan Gabriel, um, is <laughs> going to end up in a really good spot it, if he doesn't go pro. Now he can still choose to go pro if he wants to, but you know, there are some of these schools, um, the, the thing that has made this quarterback market super interesting and, and the, I'm, I'm sure this game of musical chairs is going to happen pretty quickly here, but you've got Oregon, you got Washington, you got USC, you got Miami. And turns out you got Ohio state now too. Um, with, with, with the news on Monday, you got Notre Dame. There, there are some big time programs that are looking for a guy like Dylan Gabriel because yeah, there's some great young talent on their roster. There's some great young talent in the portal, but some of these Teams feel like, hey, we're ready to win next year. Twelve team mm-hmm. playoff. We've got we've got enough guys coming back that we really really like our chances. So you're not going to go take a Dante Moore or or one of these freshmen in the portal that are really intriguing. You want to go take a guy that's a that's a pro. You want to go take a guy mm-hmm. that's a, that's a veteran who uh, is, is going to elevate your team. And so I think Dylan Gabriel's in a really good spot here. Um, I think Oregon's one to watch, but uh, but certainly there's uh, there's quite a few teams that I'm I'm sure are calling him. And uh, you know I think he's going to be as we saw from his transition to Oklahoma. I think he's going to learn the offense pretty quick and uh, and be very productive. Yeah, and you look at the success that some of these guys had this season. This is a quick way to elevate your team. Like yep. you said, if you feel like you're a quarterback away, uh, Notre Dame with Sam Hartman, Oregon with Bo Nix. Obviously, he's been there a couple of years. Michael Penix at, at Washington. Obviously, he's been there for a couple of years. But this is a way to really inject some life into your team and, and really raise the the ceiling on your squad. And so when you look at this top-tier quarterbacks, we'll break these guys into tiers a little bit. Yep. When you look at Gabriel, Cam Ward, Will Howard at Kansas State, Riley Leonard, uh, what, who, who are these guys do you think you, know, you could plug in right away and say, hey, you know what, this can turn a team into a contender? So I think those four guys, Dylan Gabriel, Cameron Ward, Riley Leonard, Will Howard, uh, those guys are, um, I think they're about to get the bag, Sam. <laughs> Matt Rule is, was talking about that bag. Matt Rule was talking about that bag. He said nowadays it takes uh, one to two million to secure these guys, and he's right about that. I've I've talked to plenty of people around the country um, about you know what is the market for these guys, and and you hear some crazy stuff. You hear some quarterbacks asking for one million or two million that I wouldn't pay that money for them, but they're asking for it. They're throwing it mm-hmm. out there, and and why wouldn't they? Um, though the, these are, I think these are probably viewed. Um, you know, there, there's always like going to be, uh, you know, different, you know, every, every team's got their own board here and their own preference and their own need for, for what they do scheme wise. But, um, those are the four that I think, uh, are really going to be the ones that everyone's fighting over and we'll see if more enter that, uh, that, that change up that dynamic. But, um, you know, I think Cameron Ward, um, I, you know, I think he could go pro. I wouldn't put that, put it past him. But he's got a chance to uh, to to make a big move here, and uh, and and I think he is one player that uh, can really boost his draft stock if he goes to the right spot. Um, I I think Will Howard is a really intriguing one. I you know I just have talked to a, a couple coaches who they look at Will Howard and they look at the good tape, um, like his game against Texas last year, and they say, "I want that guy. That guy, that guy, yep. that guy can spin it. 
Um, on his best days, he can be a great leader. So I think that that one is, uh, you know, I think he's, he, I know Lincoln Riley got on a private jet and, and flew out to Manhattan, Kansas to meet with him over the weekend. Uh, lots of other teams wanting to meet with Will Howard. And uh, so he's, he's in a, in a pretty good spot here. And is he like, can he, can he be a guy that like wins you a playoff game? I don't know. We're going to, we're going to find out because he's going to go to one of these probably teams that wants to compete for the playoff. But, uh, but you know, these are the guy, the best guys out there. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's who they're fighting over. Riley Leonard, I think we all assume is going to go to Notre Dame. I think that was pretty obvious mm-hmm. from the day he went in the portal. And I think that's a good pickup for Notre Dame. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the personal people we talked to, Bruce and I did this, this breakdown of the, the quarterback market that you can read on the athletic right now, you know, personal people, a little bit more mixed on Riley Leonard than we expected. Interesting. Yeah, I saw that. That that was interesting to to hear the contrasting takes on him, uh, especially a guy who's experienced him and and had such a good season. Uh, and then you mentioned Will Howard. Can he win you a playoff game? Good question. We do know he can win you a conference championship. We he sure do. do that. Yep. You know, in, in 2022, uh, beating an undefeated TCU there, and I thought played terrific. So going to be fascinating to see where he ends up. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's go to this next tier of guys. You got guys like Kyle McCord at Ohio State. He went in. That was interesting to see. You got Dante Moore at UCLA, Tyler Van Dyke, DJU, Will Rogers. Lots of guys in the second tier. Who in the second tier of guys do you like uh, and stands out that, that you feel like? A lot of these guys are going to get offers. A lot of these, some of these guys are, you know, you, you know, you got the freshman at, at UCLA and Oregon State. You got uh, some more experienced guys like McCall, Grace McCall has been there forever, and Daquan Finn. Mm-hmm. Who among these guys are you looking at that, that are intriguing you the most uh, uh, in this second tier of quarterbacks in the portal so far? Yeah, you know, you talk to you talk to coaches. Um, I've talked to a few during his recruitment and 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 uh, and and looking at his freshman year. Aiden Childs at Oregon State is one that's going to be really interesting to watch. Um, he is extremely talented. He's a guy that came down to like. Um, you know, he, he had some he had some big schools on him. I know I know I think Oregon, Washington, Kansas State, some of those kind of schools chose Oregon State to back up uh, DJ. And, you know, they liked him so much that they started putting him on, in on every third drive of the game. And he often led touchdowns on those drives. Um, so he got some he got some good reps in his first year uh, for, for a pretty good Oregon State team. And uh, just I think you talk to a bunch of people. Um, that have, that have watched him and and uh, have coached him, and they say this kid's got a chance to be special. So I, he went in, um, or, or he is going in, 
And, uh, you know, I think Michigan State is obviously viewed as the favorite because Jonathan Smith and his staff went there. That would be a huge guy to build around at Michigan State. Um, and an interesting decision, obviously, for Michigan State. They've lost three quarterbacks to the portal. You you know, they're probably going to take a couple here. Uh, you got Aiden Childs. You got Dante Moore, um, who's, you know, a, a Michigan native and uh, a guy that certainly a former five-star recruit who could be a really good developmental player for you. Um, I, I'm really interested to see where those guys go. Uh, because, you know, as you, as you alluded to, Sam, you look at the players this season, uh, the, 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 from the, the, the quarterbacks that have came from the portal that have had the most success, they're multi-year starters. They're guys that you've mm-hmm. had for a couple of years. Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, Dylan Gabriel. These guys that, uh, that you can get for two-plus years, um, Joe Burrow, I mean, you, you go down the list. I think you got a lot better hit rate on those than you do on the one year rental. So, yep. Uh, interesting to see how those go. You know, what did you think of Kyle McCord going to the portal? Like, just what what was your take when you when you wake up Monday and you see that news? Yeah, it was interesting. Well, you heard Ryan Day when he was asked about it. it you know, you seem kind of vague in, in his answers and and where he sat with McCord. Uh, it was it's wild because we sat here and talked in the preseason. I think. Uh, we're, we had people taking him. I can't remember. Was it you who took him in the preseason Heisman draft that we did? Or or one of our guys took him in the Heisman, preseason Heisman draft? Oh, uh, Sam. Oh, Sam. Uh-oh. What we got? I got a huge one for you. Go ahead and jump uh, in the portal. Uh, <laughs> Trey, <laughs> what do we have here? Trey Moore is in the portal. UTSA has suffered this a little bit in recent years, by the way. They, they had Zakari Franklin last year who went in the portal. Uh, he's He went to Ole Miss. Big time receiver was one, really their best receiver for three years running and left. And this is one of the reasons why and we'll talk about Jeff Trailer later. When we get to the end of the show on the coaching carousel. Jeff Trailer still at UTSA through this coaching cycle. And this is one of the biggest challenges for him in battling is keeping your roster together. And he's been banging on the banging on the table for his program to stock, stock up an NIL, his fans to to make sure that these guys are uh, you know have the NIL in hand so they can retain as many players as possible. But you're talking about Trey Moore, a freshman All-American linebacker. He's a talented guy. You know, he, he was really a big-time player for them on the defensive side of the ball. And he was the defensive player of the year in the American Conference this year. Again, this is this is just this is part of the group of five life right now. If if yeah. you're a program with a big-time player who rises up as a young guy, you know, he he was he was a sophomore, third year sophomore this year. It's just it's difficult to hold on to guys because they're they're gonna they're gonna hit the portal and test the market and and it's tough for some of those schools and some of those programs because this trade's gonna come in and get power five offers right away you know that so mm-hmm. uh, so it's gonna be interesting to see how that goes and where where he ends up but uh, but yeah definitely a tough loss for UTSA very good player out there uh, if you want to add to your linebacker room Trey Moore pretty damn good now that's a huge one he's one of the best players in the portal like right away there's there's no yeah. doubt about that and. Uh, you know, as you said, it's it's just really, it's really. I mean, this is why a guy like Jeff Trailer uh, wants to. You know, he he was in the mix for a bunch of jobs here because you know, and I'm sure he would have liked to take Trey Moore with him wherever he went because yep. uh, you know it's just <laughs> it's just really it's just really hard to hold on to your studs um, at, at any at any G5 school and you know those guys that you 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 win because you out evaluated somebody and you out developed somebody. But uh, but those kids know they're worth a lot uh, when they blow mm-hmm. up and, and start winning awards and freshman All America honors and all that stuff. So, oof, that's a tough one for for yeah. UTSA. Yeah, but no, we got a- the, we got the horn in, and that's what that's what counts. That is what counts. Jumped in the portal. We appreciate jumped that, in the portal. 
But yeah, we're talking about McCord, but McCord was interesting. So, you know, I think we I we've had this conversation before, Max, too, is I think there is an expectation that when you're a young blue chip quarterback, that when you come in, you're gonna shine right off the bat. And the the McCord obviously had his ups and downs this year. Uh and and so I understand. I there's a lot of pressure to live up to at Ohio State with a succession of quarterbacks that they've had. There's a there's a standard there of mm-hmm. guys that he has followed. You know the C.J. Stroud, and you see what what he's doing at the NFL level right now. But the season he had, you know, Justin Fields. Yeah, you know, you go back even to uh, you know even way back to Braxton Miller and J.T. Barrett and all these guys. I mean, it's they've had a long line of quarterbacks, and so it'll be interesting to see where he goes and what his market looks like. Uh, certainly still a talent, but you know you obviously want to see some more consistency out of him. But uh, but this it's it's interesting. The other the other guy in this tier two that I'm intrigued by too is Will Rogers, who was at yeah. Mississippi State. Ton, ton of production. Obviously that offense changed. You know he got banged up. He's got to stay healthy. But I'm interested to see where he goes. You know, and can you plug him in and and you know yeah he, success right he's, away. He's kind of, I feel like he's one of the wild cards in this one because I, I know, you know, I know um, Chris Hummer from 24-7 has, I think, crystal balled him to Washington, which I think is really curious um, because, and and that's kind of the fun thing with this stuff, Sam, is like you're Washington um, and, and all these schools, you're like in the middle of a playoff run, but you are making your season-defining decision for 2024 this week, you know, in terms of which quarterback you're taking. And Michael Penix um, and Will Rogers, I, I think you talked to like, you talk to personnel people and there, there's some questions about Will Rogers and how, you know, how good is his arm talent um, playing, you know, from coming playing in that leech system, very productive, but um, can he, can he hit the deep throw the way Penix does is a real question mark there, but you got to pick somebody, right? You can't just sit out here and wait too long and not get anyone. And so I know there are a few teams that look at uh, Will Rogers and feel like he's got the the reps and the experience that you plug him into your team um, and he has a chance to put up big numbers. And so, um, really curious to see which school he picks, whether it's Washington or Miami or somewhere else. And, uh, and can he be that guy? I think he had a tough year this year transitioning out of that leech system. And, uh, I think that's such a big piece for any of these guys. Cam Ward too. It's like Dylan Gabriel probably in some ways too. Like, can you go pick the place where you can be, you know, run, run something pretty similar that you can operate with confidence? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So let's talk about this next group of guys and quarterbacks and then we'll we'll move on to some of the non quarterbacks but uh in this next tier let Tyler Shuck Texas Tech Brock Vandegrift another former blue chip recruit uh, at Georgia hit the portal Blake Shapen at Baylor Jordan McLeod James Madison Taylor Green at Boise State we got the pig farmer Bryson Barnes at Utah all these guys guys have hit the portal uh some of these guys obviously you know have been through some things you know Shuck has been through some injuries Shapin, you know, as they had a very, very rough season at Baylor, but you've seen some potential, some flash from him. Vandegrift has kind of had to really sit and wait. Yep. Uh, you know, obviously behind Carson Beck, uh, and obviously before that, Stetson Bennett. Uh, Barnes had a chance to prove himself this year at Utah. Cam Rising, of course, though, announced he was coming back next year. So, you know, I'm sure that plays into it as well. But what what are your thoughts on some of these guys in this in this third tier of quarterbacks and, and what kind of a value, you know, one or two of these guys could provide a next stop? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's going to be some steals. I mean, from this this next group of guys, um, you know, I think especially if like if Jordan McLeod is going to Indiana with with his coach Kurt Signetti, I think that probably sets him up pretty well to to be really productive um, at the at the power five level. This is a guy that 
uh, started his career at USF and then went to Arizona and then went to James Madison and uh, was the was the player of the year in the Sun Belt this year. And uh, he'll be an interesting one to watch. Um, like I said, probably Indiana, but uh, I'm sure he's getting some calls. Tyler Shuck is is super intriguing to me just because I think he I on his on his best days, he's really good. And I yep. think you and I've seen that, Sam. Um, unfortunately, over the last three years, those best days are about 15 games. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. just he's just had the worst luck in terms of injuries since he got to Texas Tech. Obviously, he was successful um, in his loan season as the starter uh, at Oregon. Um, this is a guy that backed up Justin Herbert back in the day. So he's been in in, in college a little bit now. But um, I've talked to some personal people who really like Tyler Shuck. And, you know, he's he's visited UCF. He's visited Louisville. Like those could be great spots for him. If he could get if he could just put 12 games together, um, mm-hmm. he could end up being one of the steals of this this cycle, I think. And I, you, what do you make of Blake Shapin? I think Blake Shapin's going to get some good calls. But is that do you look at him as one that could be a sleeper in this or or is it just really going to depend on, uh, you know, who else goes in and, and kind of where Blake ends up? Yeah, no, I think he does. I, I still like Blake's arm talent. You watch him throw a deep ball and and you, you when when they were in rhythm offensively, he could really operate it at a high level. And they, you know, they ran a lot of wide zone. They ran a lot of bootleg and, and play action. And I thought he did that really well, but I, I always thought in my opinion that Blake Shapin suffered a lot from what was around him. I just didn't think they had great talent around him. They, they did the year that they won the big 12 title. But then when that roster turned over, he had very few weapons in 2022 around him. Like the, the receiver room turned over a bit, a big way, and they didn't really have game breakers on the outside, which made it a little bit harder. Uh, and then, then la- this year, that offensive line just really was a mess up front. So uh, I know Baylor fans have their opinions of him as well as, you know, he's made his own mistakes and, and had his own ups and downs as well. And, and, and so that's, that's part of it. But I still think there's potential there. Uh, you know he uh, he's he's seen a lot of football. He's been through a lot. I think you get him in the right situation and the right the right scheme. I think you he he still can be a really productive player. I, I think there's still potential for him. Yeah, yeah, and I, especially some of these schools that maybe are not looking to spend a million dollars on a quarterback. Um, I yeah, think there are some <laughs> <laughs> there are some some budget quarterback picks out here that that could end up working out pretty well. I don't yeah, know. They, yeah. After Matt Rule said that, Sam, they probably all think they deserve a million. So that's, that, that's, that's going to probably. That's probably going to complicate that's, the market here a little bit, don't you think? hundred percent. That's a crazy thing because everybody's going to be thinking they can get huge money, and uh, and, and that that that'll be interesting to see. Like you said, and you had written about this that you and Bruce in your piece previewing the portal. That a lot of the agents and agents for these guys have been shopping offers for these guys for weeks, you know, before the portal opened. So uh, you would think most of these guys have a sense of what they're worth, but. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Let's move on to non quarterbacks. Uh, lots of intriguing names that have been in or jumped in. Uh, one that, as of now, I don't think still is officially in yet, but but was definitely a headliner on Sunday night when he announced it on Twitter that he was intending to go on the portal is Walter mm-hmm. Nolan at Texas A&M, former number one defensive lineman in the country, number two overall recruit in the 2022 class, gem of that 2022 class that's A&M signed that was the highest rated. In the modern era, that is a big one for A and M. Any, I know there can be a a twenty four to forty eight hour delay of names getting in. Do you think that's this, or do you think Mike Elko is padlocking the door out of in the A and M offices to make sure that these guys don't get out? <laughs> yeah, it's if I were Mike Elko, you know, you want to make a good first impression on these players. 
um, that, you know, some of them, you know, obviously uh, from your time at AM, but you know, and coming back to college station, taking over the head head coach office, I, I would be barricading the, the door to compliance right now. And uh, <laughs> I would not be letting these guys go have that conversation about going in uh, until they, they t- talk to me first and uh, talk to my collective and, and found out what, uh, <laughs> what we can do for them to make them stay, you know? What, yeah. What's it going to take to put you on this A&M team in, in 2024? Mm. You know, um, so that was that was one of the uh, interesting uh, surprises of, of Monday is no Texas A&M players entered the transfer portal. No scholarship players entered, entered the portal on Monday. So but we had to announce it, Nolan and Jardon Gilbert both announced that's right. that they would. That's right. So we'll wait and see if that, that if is right. And I'm, I'm sure in the case of Walter Nolan, who is a five star recruit, one of the best in the country. Uh, the highest rated member of that 2022 class. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of conversations that, that, uh, that carry on after continue after Sunday night um, in terms of him and the A&M staff and trying to, trying to convince them to not go in. But uh, you know, I think we are waiting for that shoe to drop here on Tuesday. And uh, I don't know, Sam, it, I, I can certainly, I can certainly see Mike Elko doing a good job of, of convincing these guys to stay or at least give them the spring, right? Like at least say like, Hey, stick around, see how mm-hmm. different the soft season is going to be. You know, don't, don't go changing things up. You're in, you're in as good of a spot as you can be in. Um, but I think uh, Walter Nolan posts on Instagram, you know, he's got to do what's best for him just like everybody else does. And uh, I think I'll be very curious to see how many other guys follow him into the portal. It's a, it's an extremely important week for Texas A&M's uh, immediate future because uh, the whole thing's kind of built on this 22 class um, hitting and they've already lost a bunch of those guys and really do not want to lose any more of them. How, how do you think that's going to go? Like, what are you anticipating Exodus or are you anticipating that Elko can uh, kind of hold it together? I, I'm not anticipating Exodus. I think there is going to be some attrition because there's attrition at every head coaching change. But I got this. I will say this. The wild card in all of that is Elijah Robinson. He accepted yeah. the defensive coordinator job at Syracuse. He was the interim head coach, the defensive line coach. The players really loved him and, and wanted A&M to keep him. A&M wanted to keep him. Elko wanted to keep him. They tried hard to keep him, but he, he's got a really tight relationship with Fran Brown, the new Syracuse head coach, uh, and he's going to get defensive coordinator duties, which he would not have gotten at Texas A&M. So that's really hard offer to pass up. Also in a part of the country that Elijah's familiar with in the Northeast. So... How does that impact? And and it's interesting because Nolan announced his intentions that same night that we found out that Elijah Robinson was leaving. So yes. does that impact this defensive line? Because to me, if you're AM, the most important guys to hold on to in this cycle are Connor Wegman, your quarterback, and your defensive lineman. Those mm-hmm. those gems in that 2022 class, as many as defensive linemen as you can hold on to that are impact players is critical. And Nolan is one of those guys. Nolan's a guy who took a leap from year one as a freshman, as a rotational player to a starter and impact player in year two. He's a draft. He's going to be a draft guy in his future. Uh, so that's going to be the interesting part is now that Elijah Robinson's gone. Can they hold on to him? He did. Uh, Elko did sign a, D, a replacement at defensive line coach. Sean Spencer got him from Florida. So, and he's a good recruiter. He's got a great reputation. Can't, it's going to be really imperative on Elko to try to hold this crew together so I, I I think there's going to be some guys leave for sure, but it's it's dependent on how how many leave and who among those guys leave. Right now, Nolan's the biggest name. Max Johnson, of course, who committed the quarterback who committed to North Carolina, but you know he he was their their backup who filled in for Wegman. So 
Pe- people know, have been expecting awesome. Evan Stewart to hit the portal for two years. He right. hasn't yet, so we'll see. We'll see if that happens still Tuesday. Hasn't. Uh, don't know. Can you hold don't on know. to Evan Stewart? Can you yep. hold on to any of the, all those receivers that you have? You know, can you hold on to some of your veteran, uh, you know, DBs and linebackers and things like that? So it's going to be fascinating, and this is this is going to determine this. This is what makes this part of the portal fascinating. It's going to determine how good Texas A&M is this year. Like, are they a team that has potential to win ten and? contend for a spot in the 12-team playoff? If they hold on to the roster, they might be. If if a lot of these key players leak out, then maybe you're looking at a more, a more of a building job for Mike Elko. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Let's look at some of these other uh, players. Juice Wells, South Carolina. Uh, you know, He's a former JMU guy, really productive 2022, banged up in 23. Jalen Catalan, another intriguing guy, a defensive back, safety at Texas. He was banged up a lot this year as well. He hit the portal. Yeah. Uh, Chris Mitchell, FIU receiver. Lots of receivers. Of course, this is the portal. If you need a receiver, portal's the place to find one. There's plenty of these guys. <laughs> Always. Jamori Macklin, North Texas. Uh, Chris Brazel, Tulane. I was at Houston on uh, on Monday at Willie Fritz's introduction. That name was spoken about a couple times uh, from people that I talked to in the I, building. I, I don't doubt <laughs> it. I don't doubt it. Yeah, I mean, the... The Vanderbilt duo, Will Shepard and London Humphreys, those guys uh, are going to get some pretty serious offers here. Um, yeah, you can always you can always find some receivers out there in the portal. Um, that's that's one position. That and DB, there's never uh, uh, <laughs> there's never a shortage of guys who uh, who want the ball, who want to play. And uh, so, yeah, it's I'm interested to see how that group continues to shake out. Jamori Macklin from North Texas, you mentioned. Uh, getting a ton of offers, um, and he he is the cousin of, uh, of of Jeremy Macklin, the former Missouri star guy who's already been in the portal once. Um, and uh, you know, in, interested to see where he winds up. Chris Mitchell is a guy that that just visited Notre Dame over the weekend. Um, he you know was the top receiver in, in Conference USA this year. Uh, Josh Kelly from Washington State. Like, there's just a, there's just a lot of playmakers out there. 
who probably will be making decisions here uh, pretty quickly. So, um, you know, and certainly those guys have a chance to you know, have thousand yard seasons at their next place and, and make a big impact. There's also, you know, you got to find the big boys when you hit the mm-hmm. portal. And, you got to. Uh, the linemen are hard to find. Linemen are hard to find. Offensive linemen, uh, like grad transfer offensive linemen who can actually play are really hard to find. Um, you know, D linemen, I, you know, I've talked to a few people on the personnel side who really feel like Joey Slackman from Penn, um, the FCS transfer, a former wrestler, great size, um, got, got more than 20 offers. That's a guy that went in early and, uh, you know, has, has, has been extremely popular one of the best out there. Uh, RJ Oban from Duke. Um, he just, you talk to personal people, they feel like he's one of the guys that's got the best tape out of all the guys in the portal right now. Um, three-year starter for for the Blue Devils, son of of NFL great Roman Oban. So I, I think he's going to be a guy that uh, certainly winds up on a, on a really good Power Five program, um, you know. And then you know you got to come through and and find some of these sleepers, Sam. There was a guy um, that uh, a coach told me about last week, Alan Heron from Shorter, which is a Division two school, six six three fifteen. He's got more than a dozen Power Five offers. I believe he visited uh, Texas Tech over the weekend. Um, Clemson. Extended an offer to, to Alan Shorter. What? Clemson. What? Clemson is offering guys at the portal? Clemson is offering transfers. We need, a, we need the siren for that one. That We need a siren for that. We that need a, da- a Dabo drop about the portal that we just play when, <laughs> when Clemson comes up in this conversation. Yeah. Clemson is jumping in the portal. I love it. Hey, if 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 Clemson is portaling, then, uh, you know, it's a new era for this sport. It is. It is. I do love these uh, lower division guys that we start to see because you, you learn about guys that you know, we obviously cover the FBS programs and we don't get to spend as much time or see FCS or D2 ball throughout the year. But yep. at this time of year now, the portal season, you get to hear about some of these guys. I remember last year, Isaac Tesla, the tight end who went to Arkansas, was one of the guys who, you know, racked up double digit offers. And oh, I mean, the, the hottest guy last December was uh, AJ Cornelius, the offensive lineman mm-hmm. from Rhode Island. He mm-hmm. went to Oregon, and uh, spoiler alert, he's going to be on our all-portal all team this year. He was probably the best por- uh, best portal tackle in the uh, in the country this year at Oregon. So yeah. sometimes these guys, you know, if you get – especially if they have uh, any tape against FBS or Power 5, um, and you, that kind of helps you make that, uh, that, that evaluation. Like sometimes these guys are legit, and they should be playing at this level. Yeah, and I, I do find it fascinating. One little tidbit about that, when you're finding these small school guys, FCS film is pretty readily available. When you get to the Division II ranks – it becomes a little bit harder to find that stuff. I, I I saw last year when I spent time in Houston when they were scouting D two guys, they were pulling up huddle film. Like they oh, yeah. had to go, you know, the like the like the high school guys. You got to go pick up the huddle and and look through that and make a quick assessment of, of whether this guy can play. And the, also, we talked about linemen. These two two of these guys that we're talking about are who are lower division guys are defensive linemen and offensive linemen. So they're harder to find at the FBS level. So. That's where I also think you see some of these schools dipping in to FCS Division Two, because if you've got the size, if you've got the frame, and you've showed some ability to to excel at your level, I think the FBS schools feel like, hey, we can get this guy up, we can develop him, feed him, put him in a Power Five training table, Power Five strength program, and hey, maybe Huge in difference. six eight months, yeah, you can have a really impact player. And so that's a fascinating part of all this. Uh, a couple other storylines before we move on. A lot of attrition, obviously, across the country. We got eleven programs lost double to, double digit scholarship players. South Carolina lost fifteen just on Monday. NC, just on Monday, yeah. NC State, Vanderbilt, Western Michigan all lost fourteen. Cincinnati lost thirteen. Uh, Ohio State lost a few guys. You know, we mentioned Texas A and M. Any of these 
cause for alarm. I think the Vanderbilt one probably hit me a little bit yeah. because, you know, Clark Lee's been trying to build that up. Uh, you know, Cincinnati obviously had a tough season, but any of these stand out in, to, in terms of alarming attrition that we saw on day one? Yeah, I mean, Vanderbilt's lost some really good ones. Um, I mentioned the receivers. Um, you know, they, they're going to have to go find a, tra- a transfer quarterback as well after a few of their quarterbacks have hit the portal. Um, I, it's an interesting uh, dilemma for these programs that that lose a bunch. I had this conversation with with Mike Gundy this spring after Oklahoma State obviously lost some pretty high-profile guys. And his argument, and look, Oklahoma State, you know, won nine games this year and, and exceeded everyone's expectations. So this guy probably has a point when he says this. But one thing he's learned is when you lose players to the portal, no matter what class they are, you can't just go replace them with freshman signees. You can't replace them with high schoolers because, in his words, you're going to get your ass kicked for two years because <laughs> those right. guys are those guys are young. You got to play them right away. They're not ready, mm-hmm. and so you have to replace a portal with a portal, right? I mean, that, that's just kind of how these coaches look at this. I mean, you could take junior college guys. There's other options, obviously, but uh, they, you know they really feel like the the, the if you have a lot of especially experienced players walking out the door, I, look, we we all want high school kids to get scholarships, and, and 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 you know, obviously the portal has been detrimental for for a lot of players in terms of getting these opportunities that they deserve. But you got to go replace these guys with with uh, with transfers who can who can start for you. And so I think Vanderbilt's one of those programs that's trying to build it the right way, trying to build it with high schoolers and stuff. But probably gonna have to go a little bit heavier on the portal this offseason, even if they don't want to, because some of these places you you, you just lose a lot and. I think some coaches are very eager with that and say, okay, all right, we just freed up 10 spots. Let's go get a bunch of transfers. Let's go, uh, you know, spend some money in some, some of these places and go get some good ones. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's when you have this kind of attrition, it's, it's, it's tough. You know, some like South Carolina, you mentioned lost 15 guys, only three of them started games last year. Um, so I'm not sure that that's like devastating by any means, but juice Wells is, uh, I think probably one of the best receivers in the portal. And, uh, you know, when he's healthy, he, he was one of the best, Whiteouts in the SEC in 2022 uh, missed a lot of time with injury this year. Um, I think I think he, he's one that is, is going to have some really good options. I could see him being a guy, Sam, that uh, possibly Texas looks at to replace some of the guys that they've lost. Uh, they got a, a connection there with with Diamante Tucker Dorsey, his close friend who mm-hmm. played at Texas. Um, so that's a big one. I don't, I don't know that Monday was necessarily like devastating by any means for Shane Beamer. Uh, but that's that's certainly one program that can now go out and and go get a bunch of guys in the portal and and probably needs to to kind of fill out the two deep and uh, you know be more competitive in the SEC next year. Yeah. Uh, on that note, it will be, will be interesting to see which teams are aggressive in the portal. We talked about Texas A&M earlier. That's one that traditionally had been slower in the portal in the Jimbo Fisher era. I saw Mike Elko and that staff offering a lot of guys on Monday, so it looks like A and M is going to be a little bit more active. Baylor also is an interesting one. I'm going to be fascinated to watch. They've also generally been tepid in the portal in the Dave Rand era, but yeah. one of the conditions of bringing him back was they've got to get more aggressive in it. So I'll be curious to see uh, how active Baylor is here oh, in this coming oh, week. Alarm time. Let's do it. Uh-oh. Let's play it, Cam. What we got? Go ahead and jump in that portal. <laughs> Go ahead and jump in that portal. Curtis Rourke, quarterback of Ohio. You wow. are now in the portal. It is Mac quarterback portal hour. The Mac quarterbacks <laughs> are available. That was another one, to be honest, heard last week, Curtis Work and Daquan Finn, two guys that probably were going to uh, to go in the portal. And, uh, you know, I, I they were the, the more arms we get on the market here, um, it, it's just going to make for some very interesting decisions. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't blame a, a top power five school for looking at one of these guys and saying, that's the guy. That's the one I want. Uh, mm-hmm. But you are making a gamble uh, and you're making it very quickly here. 
um, for again, these are these are pretty season defining decisions for next year. Curtis Work, a guy who led Ohio to a win over Iowa State, power five win on his resume this year back in week three. So uh, interesting. I believe he was the MAC Player of the Year in twenty twenty two. So it's uh it's interesting. So got Quan Finn, Curtis Fork in the portal. So lots of activity. It's Tuesday. Uh, Monday was the big day, but Tuesday they're still filtering in and uh, going to be plenty of activity this week. Like I said, we got a thirty day window here, so uh, plenty of time uh, between now and then. And, and we'll see a lot of activity this week, also because team seasons have ended. Uh, they're doing you know there's a little bit of a break while coaches are out recruiting. Uh, there's a little bit of a lull. If you're in a bowl game, you're probably not starting bowl practices yet this week. You're probably giving players some time off, finals and all that. So uh, it's an interesting time, and, and there's a ripe time for a lot of these guys to jump in. So mm-hmm. good stuff, good stuff. So let's talk bowls. It's, uh, we, we talked about off the field. Let's get back on the field and, and talk about this bowl season we've got coming up. Uh, we've got, of course, we had the playoff set. And we, we discussed that ad nauseum. Of course, you heard that in this feed on the Sunday sound off and uh, the discussion of uh, Washington and Texas and Michigan and Alabama and Florida State getting left out. But there are a ton of bowl games. And in two weeks, less than two weeks, on December 16th, we'll kick off bowl season and we'll have a lot of interesting games. So let's do a little bit of an excitement. We're going to call it the bowl excitement meter. We'll say one on a scale of one to five. One is your least exciting game. Five is your most exciting game. Uh, we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna rank every one of these. We're just gonna fire through a handful of these. But picked out a few that I'm interested in, intrigued by. Max, feel free to uh, pull out any any interesting games that jump out to you. Uh, but I'm gonna start with the Alamo Bowl because guess what? Last year the Alamo Bowl turned out to be a de facto preview for a semifinal. This year it was Washington and Texas last year, which of course are playing in the playoff. This year you get Oklahoma and Arizona in the Alamo Bowl. We talked a little bit about Dylan Gabriel. He's in the portal. So we're going to get some Jackson Arnold action in this Alamo Bowl. What do you think? 62 and a half over under. What do you think of Jed Fish's crew going up against Jackson Arnold in Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl? Yeah, this is, um, the, you know, this is, I, I keep calling them this because this is what they are. I mean, Oklahoma's running into the hottest team in the country in Arizona. Um, and, and just, they were, man, Back half of the season, they were just so fun to watch. I think that this is a crew, you know, no Fafita, um, you know, T Mac and, and Jacob Cowing and all their wideouts. Um, this is a group that's going to pose some real challenges for Oklahoma, and uh, you know, it, it gives gives Brent Venables and his crew a chance to finish in in a, in a big way with eleven wins. And you know, I, I know they wanted to win a Big Twelve title in their last year. I, I you know, whether you want to define this as success or not for an Oklahoma fan, I would say yes. I would say this is a huge comeback year for this program that makes you feel really good about where it's heading, you know, as you move into the sec, but um, you know, big opportunity here for Jackson Arnold, who, you know, we got a good, we got a pretty good look at him second half against BYU, but obviously in that game uh, with what was on the line, you're kind of, you're kind of playing not to lose a little bit, right. Um, you're kind of trying to play it safe and just, just escape Provo with a win. So uh, in terms of seeing Jackson Arnold for, for a full 60 minutes, we assuming that that's the case. Um, I think, I think that's going to be very exciting that the off season hype train is going to get rolling um, on on Arnold and and look, it's already rolling on Noah Fafita, but uh, mm-hmm. you know I think that certainly the momentum off the Alamo Bowl um, is going to be uh, going to be pretty serious for one of these teams. And, and if you're Arizona, you're you're psyched because you're able to hold on to your head coach in this coaching cycle. He was a name that was uh, floated around for some jobs. Texas A&M in particular was was one of the ones that he was connected to. But being able to hold on to him with what he's done to turn that program around 
Big time. I'll give this a four and a half, even without Dylan Gabriel. I think because Jackson Arnold is so much intrigue, I'll give this a four and a half. Yeah. On the excitement. I'll give it a five. I'm, I'm excited to watch this game. Yeah. Awesome. So that'll be a good one. Oregon, <clears throat> uh, Oklahoma and Arizona in the Alamo Bowl. Let's, how about the Pop-Tarts Bowl? K-State and NC State. We will not have Will Howard. We mm. will have Avery Johnson, though, who has gotten plenty of time this year, kind of doing a little two-quarterback thing yep. in Manhattan. And you got NC State. And guess what? We have an edible mascot in this game. The Pop-Tart is going to be the first edible mascot in bowl game history. And mm. Dave Doran was asked about this on Sunday in his bowl press conference. Uh, Jaden Adams asked him, reporter, uh, she asked him about whether he's going to eat the Pop-Tart. And he asked what flavor it was going to be. The bowl rep said, I don't think I'm at liberty to divulge that information. And Dave Doran responded, well, maybe I'm not at liberty to answer that question. And then he asked, can I chase the Pop-Tart down with a nice bourbon or something like that afterwards? Is that not part of the Pop-Tart experience? And Pop-Tarts and bourbon. Pop-Tarts and bourbon. So the bowl rep said, I think we can arrange that if you want. We will make it a little tasty. So wow, I, I'm kind of rooting okay, for which, NC State what, in this game. For you, what Pop-Tart does not need to be? I am a stand for the brown sugar. Ooh, pop tart. Okay. I love right. the brown sugar pop tart, but uh, I think I think in this situation, with its it's a game broadcast and millions are going to be watching. I think you keep it basic. You keep like a frosted strawberry. Okay, I think is the, is the way to go. Yeah, I haven't had. I can't. Gosh, I don't know that I've had a pop tart in a little while. I think my wife tended to like blueberry frosted blueberry. So mm. That's probably the last one we would have had in the house, and those yeah. are always solid. But uh, yeah, power ranking the the pop tarts I think is a, is a topic for another day. Yeah, I'll I'll say frosted strawberries, which you should do, but I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of the brown sugar, frosted brown sugar ones. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm rooting for NC State just so I can see Dave Doran with a pop tart and a shot of bourbon, chasing it down. I think that's that's a winning combination. Uh, but I'll give this a, I'll give this a four. I think this this is a good this is a good matchup. Uh, I'm intrigued to see Avery Johnson being the full time quarterback for K State. Uh. You know, yes. like I said, the pop, the pop tart. That guy can. Uh, people are going to find out if they if they didn't catch him against Texas Tech or some of the games he played this year. Dude, that kid can scoot. Yep. The the highlights on Avery Johnson uh, this year were were really exciting. And the hair, I gotta love the hair. And the hair. So he's got some flow. It, it's terrific. So I'll give it a four. What do you I'll, say? I'll give it a three. I want to ask you this one too. Um, along this uh, along this topic, you got North Carolina, West Virginia. Who do you want to see with Mayo on their head at the end? Mac Brown or Neil Brown? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Mac Brown. I'm not going to say Neil Brown because Neil Neil gave me a hard time about stuff that I wrote about West Virginia earlier this year. So I'm going to let him can, not well, have to well, take the mayo. You'd rather hit him take the L or you'd rather him take the mayo? I'd rather. No, I'd rather. <laughs> well, no. Oh, that's a good question. I did. I did. I did. What miss is that. worse? What is worse in some? I mean, I, I don't think know. Taking, I think taking the mayo is worse. I think so. So I think so. And yeah. and you know what? Mac Brown has won a national championship, and I just think seeing Mac Brown have mayo dumped on him would just be hilarious. I, it would. I just, <laughs> the winner. The winner gets to nine and four and gets to say they had an awesome year, right? Yeah. Um, but they get mayo on their head. So yeah, real, real Sophie's choice there. Yeah, couple matchups I just want to mention real quick. Cal and Texas Tech. I don't know that I would rate this high on the excitement meter, but I mentioned this because it is a rematch of the 2004 Holiday Bowl. Sonny Cumbie, Louisiana Tech head coach Sonny Cumbie, used to be the quarterback there. Fun fact, threw for 520 yards and three touchdowns to beat Cal, a really good 10-win Cal team that was quarterbacked by Aaron Rodgers then. So 
we have a rematch in the Independence Bowl. That was 2004 holiday. Oh so 2004, Aaron Rodgers in college, Sonny Cunningham in college. Man, that's uh, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that one in a long time. Yeah. That was a long time ago, uh, Sam. Aaron Rodgers has been in the league for a minute. He has been. Uh, like I said, he's been so in it so long that that Sonny Cumbie has gone through a whole head coaching career, uh, assistant coach career. And he's now had a few coach. different head jobs at this point. I mean, yeah, <laughs> crazy. Uh, been an interim and now a full time head coach at Louisiana Tech. But uh, Oregon State, Notre Dame, the Sun Bowl, pretty good matchup. Uh, yep. You're gonna have Oregon State will be missing some guys, but that is a in good, really good matchup. That Sun Bowl will low key uh, draw some really good teams uh, in their games. I so. saw that one was already sold out too. Like, yep. it's, it's an interesting one if you're a Notre Dame fan. You know, is El Paso where you want to end up this year? It's not, but it sounds like a fun trip for the holidays. Yeah, and and I will tell you this: people when they go, El Paso is a little underrated. It is, it is good, good food, good climate, good scenery. The Sun Bowl set in that mountain, it's really awesome. So yeah, I I do like that game. Uh, you mentioned the Duke's Mail Bowl, USC Louisville. We're going to know no Caleb Williams in the Holiday Bowl. He has yeah. officially said he's opting out. Does that mean we're going to are we going to do see some Malachi Nelson? Malachi Nelson, Miller Moss. I mean, that's yeah. the U, the USC topic of what are they what are they supposed to do is is a really interesting one because uh I think there's uh I think they are they're on the market here. They're looking for for mm-hmm. a transfer. Is that a guy that that they want to bring in just to push Malachi Nelson or do they not really love Malachi Nelson and want to bring somebody else in to to start over him? Very interesting next few weeks for Lincoln Riley um, for for a bunch of reasons and and yeah USC Louisville um, pretty pretty good matchup I would uh, despite <laughs> despite the offensive performance by Louisville on Saturday I, I I lean towards taking the over in that game yeah over over under fifty eight and a half in that one another high scoring game Kansas UNLV in the guaranteed rate bowl sixty four and a half over under but I don't I don't assume Andy Kolonicki's coaching in this one after he took the Penn State job. But you got UNLV with a fun offense. Brendan Marion, go go mm-hmm. offense, has done a terrific job over there. So uh, that's going to be interesting. Uh, some other storylines. Uh, I actually, I'll tell you what, Kansas UNLV. I'll give that one a solid four. I think that one's going to be. Yeah, I agree. That's a, a four. I think that's going to be offensively. Um, uh, that that one's going to be potentially be a heater for sure. Yeah. Uh, some other interesting ones: Duke and Troy in the Birmingham Bowl. If you guys have not seen John Summerall. Troy team play. They're really damn good. John Summerall is mm-hmm. one of the best young coaches out there. Yep. So be sure to check them out. Uh, New Mexico State. They are one win away from 11 wins. Only second time 11 ever. 11 wins win 11. at New Mexico State. Jerry Kill, man. They're they're playing Fresno State in the New Mexico Bowl. Uh, JMU is in a, in a bowl against Air Force, the Armed Forces Bowl. They, they did, obviously didn't get the waiver, but because there weren't enough bowl eligible teams, they were able to get in. Jacksonville State, FBS newcomer, also similar situation. They play Louisiana in the New Orleans Bowl. Uh, good for them. Rich Rod mm-hmm. done a terrific yep. job over there. I've watched. I watched that team a bunch. I watched way more Conference USA football than most people. I think <laughs> this year, watched, especially yeah. those Tuesday, Wednesday nighters. Yeah. And ja- Jacksonville State was pretty damn good this year. So uh, definitely deserving of them to get to a bowl. JMU, of course, uh, has been uh, plenty deserving the last couple of years in their transition to the FBS. They've been a terrific, terrific team. Uh, my personal favorite on the excitement meter. This is my Texpert sicko special here. Mm-hmm. Texas State and Rice in the first responder bowl. This is a game when in an era where bowl games don't matter anymore for a lot of teams and players. This bowl game matters for these two because the Texas State has never been to a bowl game in his FBS existence. Mm-hmm. Rice went to one last year, but only as a five win team. But they haven't been to a bowl as a six win team since 2014. So this is a game that actually I think is going to mean a lot for both of these programs. And they're playing uh, at SMU. 
They're they are playing at SMU. So <laughs> there you go. The most Texas Bowl of all of all. That's right. That's right. Other than so, the Texas Bowl, which uh, which we can we can touch on as well. Te- Texas A and M and Oklahoma State. We remember that one from 2019. Yeah, it's We're a deja vu game back. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then speaking of SMU, Boston, they're playing Boston College and Fenway Bowl. I thought SMU kind of got screwed. Uh, if you know, while we talk about the rankings and the College Football Playoff Committee, uh, I thought they should have been the New Year Six team. Uh, they 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 did not get it because Liber- Liberty, who was thirteen and zero with the worst strength schedule in the country, ended up getting it. SMU, who won the American Athletic Conference, beating Tulane and had two losses, but to Power Five teams on the road, got penalized for it, and I thought it kind of sucked. So, I uh, hope SMU does well against Boston College in the Fenway Bowl. That's a uh, it's a long road trip for them. What, but what, what uh, is the biggest we don't want to be here game of all these? Sam, is it is it SMU playing in Boston? No, against Boston it College. Is, is it no. is it Ohio State, Missouri? Is no. it Georgia, Florida State? Georgia, Florida State, bingo, bingo, bango, bongo. Did you, you see the screenshot of Kirby Smart and Mike Norvell doing the Zoom on Sunday? They look like neither of them wanted to be on that no, thing. No. So those guys, yeah, that's, that's, isn't that always like weird that you have that like, just like that quick turnaround of like, hey, Kirby Smart, you lost this really devastating game less than 24 hours ago. Hey, Mike Norvell, you just got <laughs> absolutely hosed a couple hours ago. How you doing? What are your thoughts? <laughs> that is that's that's rough like that is really a tough scene like you should get 24 hours to process that before having to answer the i think that the, about both the of those guys goal. should have been allowed to say f that i'm gonna go recruiting <laughs> leave me alone you know <laughs> yes i agree 100 percent. like when you get hosed that bad we should just postpone that press conference for a day let them yeah. let them let them process it because that let, just let them give written statements and we can just call it yeah game, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh I did enjoy Eli Drinkwitz pretending that Connor, Connor Stallions called him when he was doing this interview on ESPN. That was terrific. So. I mean, troll king of the year, Eli Drinkwitz. <laughs> 100%. That was, I mean, that on live TV, the 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 reaction from Reese Davis. I watched that video like <laughs> ten times just to see Reese Davis absolutely losing it. It was it was tremendous. Yeah, uh, of course, Washington, Texas Sugar Bowl, Michigan, Alabama Rose Bowl. We'll we'll save our thoughts. We got plenty of time to get to that one. Those are in. Uh, in on January 1st. So we will get to those as we get closer to those games. Let's go to our last segment before we get out of here. Coaching yep. carousel. As we had all this other stuff going on, we still have some coaching hirings going on. Uh, still some jobs open. Willie Fritz. Well, why don't you explain some of this stuff to me like I'm a five-year-old, Sam, because I've just, yes. my, my attention has been <laughs> elsewhere. Go ahead and cook. Let's do it. Let's do it. Willie Fritz hired at Houston uh, to succeed Dana Holgerson. Kurt Signetti, JMU, going to Indiana. One of the coolest moments of the weekend to me, Boise State promoting interim Spencer Danielson to the head coach head coaching position full-time. Yeah. He took them to the Mountain West Conference Championship, which is pretty fairly unprecedented situation. I don't know how many interim they coaches have taken Crazy. taken, yeah, taken a team to a conference championship. Jeremiah Dick of the AD did a they released a really cool video on Boise State's Twitter. Uh introducing him and the you could see the players just lost their mind and were fired up for Spencer Danielson who got a little emotional. Uh Jeff Choate, linebackers coach at Texas, hired at Nevada. Mm-hmm. He's got some head coaching experience, but he's done a really good job at Texas. Good good job there. Uh Scotty Walden uh at Austin P is the new UTEP coach. So that's the head coaching. And then of course we had some uh some coordinator movement, lots of it, but the, the two that stood out to me, Andy Kolnicki to Penn State, who we mentioned, he's getting he's getting the bag. Uh, terrific offense. I'm excited to see what he can do. Like he, he's done great with a uh, talent that Kansas has had. Now that you yeah. get another level of talent with Penn State, 
I'm curious to see what he do, he can do. And Jake Spavadol is uh, going to Baylor. He was introduced on Monday. He's going to be the new offensive coordinator for the Baylor Bears. So, And there's still a few jobs open. Duke is open still. James Madison. Uh, Middle Tennessee is open. New Mexico. Tulane, of course, is open because I mentioned Fritz. And ULM is still open. So uh, a lot of action on the carousel. Any of these uh, thought, thoughts? Let, on let me check these, the job uh, portal see, and see if any of these closed <laughs> while, uh, we, have a job while we were talking. We don't have a job portal. No. Um, yeah. I think Indeed. I think Spavadol to Baylor is really interesting. Obviously, you know, Sam, that's a pretty it's a pretty uh it's, it's highly important that that works out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If it doesn't, then guess what? Everybody's getting let go at that point. Yeah. Uh because Dave Aranda's up under the gun uh next year. So that is that is a must for sure. But I like the uh, pick. I I, I think yeah. Jake Spavadol, um, you know, and especially you get this hire done and, um, you know, pretty early here, you got a chance to go hit the portal as you talked about and, uh, and, and go get a quarterback and go get the, the, you know, they got to get some receivers. My goodness. They got to mm-hmm. go get some playmakers. But, um, I, I like that. I do like that pick for Dave Aranda and, uh, you know, we'll see if this one sticks. I mean, they've just been through a lot of OCs, a lot of systems. It's a third. This yeah. is a Dave Aranda's third OC since he's been there, uh, in 2020. Yeah. That's a lot. I, I was at the Willie Fritz introduction to Houston. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I thought think? it was a good choice. I thought it was a good choice. Uh, I think we talked about this uh, a week ago after they let Dana Holgerson go. I thought there were two options. It was Willie Fritz or Jeff Trailer. Mm-hmm. Pick one of those two. Don't don't overthink it. Don't overcomplicate it. They they chose Fritz, and that was their number one from the start. They ended up getting him. They had to be patient, wait for him to finish his conference championship game, uh, and got that done on Sunday morning. So uh, I think I think he's probably what they need at this point. Uh, so I think they need a program builder because they, they had a rough first season in the Ameri- in the uh, Big 12. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think they're, they're going to have to they're going to do some build. I think you're going to have to have some patience. You look at Willie's track record. It takes a little time. But but if you if you're patient, he will reward you with a really damn good team that contends for a championship or wins a championship. Uh, he's done yeah, it every you, level. You watch these last two Tulane teams, man. They find players. They find mm-hmm. and they develop some players there. And I know you mm-hmm. could say, oh, it's Louisiana. There's lots of talent in that state. But, you know, Houston, you're also going to be able to bring Louisiana kids to Houston. Mm-hmm. I mean, that That's that's very, you know, very adjacent to where you're at there in Houston. And so I think it's uh, – I, I like the pick too. Um, and I think in in uh, in due time here, people are going to say, wow, this this Houston team, um, they got this thing flipped pretty quick. I, I, I think this one's going to be successful. Yeah, I do too. And I liked I like Kirk Signetti going to Indiana. I think that was a great pick by them. They Signetti's a name that's been out there for a while now. You see the success he's done yeah. and what he's built up at JMU. You knew he was going to get a shot. It was just a matter of when and where. And uh, you know, obviously they had to pay a lot to Tom Allen uh, to go. And but I thought that was a great great pick. Yeah. for the Hoosiers. Uh, and interested to see how that goes. Very, the very one, solid, just very sensible hires going on, as we talked about mm-hmm. on our. Uh, uh, on our search firm uh, uh, episode a few weeks ago, um, that it's kind of been heading that way. Yeah, no, no doubt. I think uh, I think you see ads adjusting their expectations a little bit, and also I think uh, just understanding. I think too, there's a little bit of this. So much of this happened, you know, two three years ago when we were, you know, we had a little bit of a disjointed situation in 2020 with the pandemic and and uh, you know budgets and you know teams and. Mat- mishmash schedules and everything and you know yep. you had some extensions go on you know in, in the aftermath of that and uh i think some of this is course correcting to a certain extent too uh you know but uh last one before we get out i wanted to talk about it we mentioned him just a second ago jeff trailer are you surprised as i am that he's still after this cycle i think we thought he was going to be a shoe-in for a job are you surprised that he's still at utsa as we sit here on december 5th i am yeah definitely um <clears throat> i think i think if you're jeff trailer 
you know, you've got a lot of, you got a ton of seniors graduate, Frank Harrison, just a really, really nice senior class graduating. And so you got to figure out a way to, to, to win next year. Um, because I think, I think, uh, you know, if you're now, if you're trailer, you're probably looking at Arkansas, you're looking at Baylor, these two that decided to stand pat and you're probably kind of waiting for those ones to open. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm surprised. Uh, I mean, we'll see if there's more jobs that come along here. Um, but Jeff Trailer's a, a damn good coach and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, won an awful lot very quickly at UTSA. And, uh, you know, I think it seemed like the timing was right to make a move and, uh, you know, that's not how it, it always goes, man, you know, and, and there's, there's obviously lots of, lots of examples here in recent years of guys that get really hot and, uh, and, and stay loyal, stay in a place and, and, you know, kudos to them for doing so, but, uh, you know, sometimes you got to kind of strike when you're, when the iron's hot there a little bit. So yeah, Jeff trailer, uh, still UTSA happy for UTSA fans, obviously. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, 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 as we sit here today, definitely a surprising, uh, turn of events here in this cycle, I think. Yeah. And, uh, I'm sure he's going to go back to trying to keep his roster intact uh, now that uh, Trey Morris hit the portal. So no more UTSA players have hit the portal since we finished this episode. Um, but uh, but there have been uh, there there have been some more. Can we get one one last drop here? Oh, jump in that <laughs> we portal. Got? We got Toriano Pride, the defensive back from Clemson. You are now in the portal. All right. That All one right. was already it's- announced uh, last week. Um, not a, not a huge surprise there. Um, he's leaving Clemson, uh, cornerback. Who, you know, we'll we'll, we'll see where he goes. And uh, I think yeah, there weren't that many portal entries while we were we were on the show here, as far as I can tell. But uh, good. I'm glad. But by I'm the time this episode I, I comes out, sure you got a lot going on. You got to get I, yeah. You got to jump back into the portal yourself. Uh, we got to we got to publish this episode in like one minute because everything could change <laughs> right when we finish. Grab some coffee, grab some C4, uh, whatever you need to keep it hopping. Appreciate all your dedication and work uh, to keep us all updated. Mr. Portal King, Max Olson, thank you for joining me on today's show. And thank you listeners for listening to Max and Sam on the Until Saturday podcast feed. Make sure you're subscribed to the Until Saturday podcast feed on Apple on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, so that when we publish new episodes, you can be notified and make sure you tune in. Of course, be sure to subscribe to Until Saturday on YouTube so you can join all our live streams whenever those come. Subscribe to the Until Saturday newsletter. Check the link in the show's description so you can get your daily fill of college football news in your inbox. For Max, the Portal King, I am Sam Khan. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next week.